I got a test one, two, check one, two. Here. I got to check the mic, check the mic check while I'm on the mic tonight. I rock the mic in four, four time. Word up. A little closer, I think, Juice and, and your, your money. Because it's like, Mets. I think that the pattern of this mic is just like right in front. Okay. When they, they have pictures and it's like cardioid. Okay. And so like here, it's not touching you, but right here it is. Okay. You know what I mean? How long have you dreamed of this moment? Um, Can I say eons? Yeah, you could say. What I was going to guess decades, but eons go with that. Yeah. What exactly is an eon though? I think it's a long stretch of time. Here, try uh, try jiggling your microphone and seeing what it sounds like when we record it. All right, I'm jiggling my microphone right jiggling now in front now. of my mouth. Now move, uh, like I'm moving the cord over my knee. Uh, I'm moving my moving cord, cord over, over my, my knee. knee. I'm crossing my leg and kind of waving the microphone around because <coughs> I'm relaxed and I'm <coughs> I'm in a relaxed attitude towards right. this podcast. I'm yeah, listening. I'm bored and listening. I think this is pretty chill. So I'm gonna do a cough away from the mic. <laughs> cleared the throat as well i don't know if you caught that i'm switching hands because my hands are tired i have very weak arms switching no. hands now yep commencing switching hands and watch this i'm also going to rotate the microphone and see if it picks up the same way rotating oh. back and now i'm going to hold it upside down in front of my face that would be awesome like a boxing ring down. guys <laughs> yeah. ladies and gentlemen like that Ooh, yeah Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I'm used to the microphone already. Yeah, Alright, I just turned my mic back on. Is it working? Oh man, it totally is. Wow. Check, check. Just turn my microphone back on. Is it working? My Hello? microphone's been on the whole time. Is it's, it working? Oh, it is, man. Your volume is very high. Oh, mine's really high. Okay. Um, so like I was saying before the computer so rudely interrupted me, <laughs> um, I I hate being bored. Don't mm-hmm. want to be bored. I think that's why I struggled to like really get into books when I was younger because I, I thought they were boring and I just didn't, I wanted to be entertained. Um, so... Again, I can't remember what necessarily spurned it, but I brought the question to God of like, hey, I think if I enter the priesthood, I'm going to get really bored talking about one dude. Like we're going to talk about one guy for the rest of our life. <laughs> one topic that yeah. we think is so spectacular yeah. that we're going to give our whole lives to talk about it and to live for it. I think about that when That's I listen insane. to sports, sports commentators, though. I'm like, so you chose football. <laughs> to be the thing you get to, you're going to talk about and analyze and scrutinize for the rest of your life. That's it. I'd rather have Jesus Christ. Right, that's the thing. <laughs> so it's I mean you really have to know the guy in I'll order take football. <laughs> you take football? <laughs> Kidding. Um so th- that was the fear that I had. And you know, so I brought it to the Lord, brought it to him in a holy hour and I, no joke. I was like, a, yeah, I was like, it was one of those holy hours where you're passing in and out, and you're mm-hmm. just kind of dozing off, and you're not sure what's a dream or what's prayer. Um, I usually have better holy hours than that, but uh, so I asked him that, and I'm getting towards the end of my holy hour, and I have this memory of when I was in college. 
uh, I was like a junior, you know, I, I can't necessarily remember, um, what I was doing, but I remember a specific location where I was getting ready to go out at night. And, um, I had like this big handle of, of, uh, it was Sailor Jerry's. It was Sailor Jerry's. I remember it very vividly Sailor Jerry's <laughs> because I, I had a girl over to my apartment and we were all just going to like pregame before we went out. And I knew exactly how the night was going to go. It was like, it was going to be the ideal college night of like, you go out and you drink and you're hanging out with all your friends and then, you know, spend some time with the girl and then go to bed and, you know, have this great bro night or whatever. So I knew exactly what was going to go down. And I remember in that moment, even when I was a college student of thinking, this is what I'm hoping that I do. And I know it, it's exactly what's going to happen. And it's going to be really boring. I'm not going to be entertained by this. Like I'm getting very, very sick of this. And for some reason, this exact moment where I, I remember the sentiment, I remember the feeling of thinking, mm. this is boring. I'm going to be totally, this is ho-hum kind but of a thing. It's a routine. Exactly, a routine. And, you know, it's not like God was saying, oh, hey, look how bored you were when you were in college. You know, <laughs> I'm way better than that. Uh, but it was, again, that moment of God's here with me. Like, hey, I'm not going to give you the total answer of like, reveal yourself, reveal himself in the beatific vision and me get my, my face blown off. But it's a little subtle thing that says, Hey, I'm here with you. Like I heard what you're saying and I, I know what's going on in your heart. And let me tell you the world, it's not going to satisfy you. Mm -hmm. And I'm a real person. God's a real guy and he's, he's dynamite. Mm -hmm. And that relationship, uh, is also, it's something that changes your life. Um, so that was pretty powerful, you know, and I mean, that's a real, real deep fear that I have. And I know oh, it's, man. it's kind of a strange one. I don't know. Do y'all have a fear of being bored? <laughs> I got afraid of being bored. I hate being bored. It's I always the did. Worst, I do hate being bored. Yeah, I would. So I would say I'm afraid of it. I've thought about this as a, like a talk to give to kids because boredom is a serious feeling that you really do have as a kid, you know? And if you're, if you can get a kid to pay attention to that feeling, mm-hmm. um, where is that coming from? You know, because what it is, is like a, an awakening of a deep desire to plumb the depths of something that's like eternally satisfying and, and compelling is. and enthralling. And even that can start in like in a, a very human way of like plumbing those depths like you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, an example I'm thinking of, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I mean, honestly, I, and this is, you know, just a little insight into me, but I could sit in a deer stand all day, not see anything and not be bored. Really? For a minute. And like, I tried hunting and I got very bored. (laughs) Well, if I did that, like, you know, if I did that, like three or four days in a row, Mm -hmm. I'd probably be bored like towards the end. But what was interesting when I was on my eight day last summer, there was not like a single time that I was bored mm. on that retreat. I've heard that from multiple people. Really? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I'm kind of still pretty stoked about doing the the 30 day. Because like if that, seriously, I mean, those eight days when you're just like totally available to how God wants to love you, like it was exciting, man. And it sounds super weird to, to even say because you're just praying, reading, you know. On the outside, it looks bit. like a dull routine. Yeah. Yeah. But on the inside, it's insane. It's awesome. Oh, yes. 
Why is there something rather than nothing? I remember one of the things that when I was on my 30-day, um, speaking, speaking of kids and their potential to like really tap into the eternally enthralling, I just was like, I started exploring churches in Omaha, and not because I was bored, but just curious, walking around and seeing different places. And there was this one church right uptown that was like, it had a plaque outside that it said it was the, the sacrifice of the mass was first offered in like, you know, the the Northwest Territories or whatever, the Louisiana Purchase on this spot in such and such a date, whatever. So this is like this old, old church in Omaha. That's super cool. It was, it was, it was a cool church. It was kind of, uh, it was a little not well taken care of, a little dank and dusty, but um, had a certain simple beauty to it. But I remember going to, uh, I was just in there praying and a mass started. And so I stayed for the mass and there was this family right in front of me uh maybe three or four kids i can't remember exactly but i do remember there was a little girl who was probably small for her age she was kind of crippled in her legs she had those crutches that like clipped to your arms you know mm-hmm. um and they were two tiny little crutches and she was a tiny little girl maybe 5 6 years old and uh but you could tell her parents like kind of let her choose whatever she wanted to wear. So she was wearing like really bright colored, but different colored stuff and had this glittery bag <laughs> that had whatever stuff she had, like a toy. And she had some coins in there. I knew she had some coins because after the mass was over, the family was just kind of praying and she hung back when they were going to leave to the door. And she went and knelt in front of the Our Lady of Fatima Mary statue. And she just like, I heard all this noise. I looked up. And she's like ambling up to the kneeler and getting her crutches in such a place where she can kneel there. And then she's like digging in her bag and it's making all this noise. But I was just like, I was totally enthralled by this image of her digging through this glittery bag for some coins to put in the offering to light a candle in front of the Virgin Mary. Mm. And how, you know, her parents had obviously taught her how to do this. And she was doing it out of her own free will. She wanted to do it you know, and I was struck by looking at the statue of Mary, how she would feel, how God would feel, how Mm -hmm. it does, how they do feel looking at her. Cause I was kind of, I was looking at her, looking at her, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Looking at Mary, looking at this child with this very simple faith, but had been trained in such a way that she was open to this, you know, and she doesn't understand the depths of like how beautiful it is. Um, that her in her weakness and poverty and, and but just how good what good I saw in her mm-hmm. and how that lifted me up to see a good child um, that even though she's suffering wants to pray and love and I don't know it was it was such a moving thing to, to watch that image is still burned in my mind um yeah even even like picturing it obviously i don't have the church in mind or the girl in mind or whatever but that image is very very powerful that you just described Mm -hmm. but it's it's the same way in that we're talking about um a silence a relationship with christ as being very exciting to the person who is participating in the relationship with christ but from the outside it can look very simple Mm -hmm. just kind of nothing and you know i'm if there's another watcher watching you watch Mary, watch this girl, mm-hmm. it would probably not look very spectacular. Right. You know, it would just be like, oh, that's 
kind of nice, I guess, mm-hmm. if you had any sentiment for some a poor little girl like that. But to see the reality of what's going on, mm-hmm. it's really a revelation. Yeah. It's an epiphany. You're pulling the veil back to something that is really present and really happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, I mean, that's what the Christian has the opportunity to see. Um, your story reminded me of an occurrence that I had this weekend uh, where I went to a diaconate ordination in Boston and a family came and visited. They had 10 children, a very, very young family, and three out of their 10 children have this terrible sickness. It's passed on genetically where they'll die at a very young age. And one of the one of the boys came up to receive communion from Cardinal O'Malley and was coming up to receive the precious blood from this newly ordained deacon. And the mom is hurting... You know, all these kids are like under 13 years old. So it's literally a herd. And she's like <laughs> trying to get all these kids going. And the Cardinal is just cracking up watching all of them. And this boy who has the sickness comes kind of strutting up. And you can tell it has muscle dystrophy. Mm-hmm. So he's starting to just deteriorate interiorly. And um, this deacon, he knows this family. And so he knows this boy is sick. And he kneels down with the precious blood and gives the, the chalice to this boy and I'm sitting there watching this incredibly powerful moment and comes up to the boy and gives him a uh, sign of the cross on his forehead and gives him his blessing. But I saw the mom was watching this deacon kneel down mm-hmm. and be a father to her son. And hold, she was holding back tears in front mm-hmm. of the whole church. She's holding back tears watching this occur. And it that's just something that, that God gives us as a grace that you have to know how he works. You have to know the person in order to see these experiences, in yeah. order to really look into the depths. You know, you're talking about Duke and Altium going to the depths. There's so much to these human experiences that for whatever reason, we don't have the opportunity to see. And when you get a glimpse into it, it's it's magical and powerful. And I remember telling some friends about it that weekend of like, oh man, it, did you see that? And they're like, yeah, it was yeah, I saw it. It was pretty cool, I guess. And you're like, no, man. Like, are you sure we were seeing the same thing? So it's this unique grace that God gives us. Um, what does G.K. Chesterton say? The world does not want for wonders, but it wants of wonder, of people yeah. to wonder at it. That, it does not lack in wonders, but wonder. Is yeah. what I, that, that's the line I've heard of it. That's very true. And it's so subtle, yeah. mm-hmm. the, the subtlety of it, which... It, again, is the pattern in Scripture. Sure. You know, God reveals himself in these subtle ways. It's just, I mean, it's beautiful. It's remarkable. But it's totally countercultural to all of the forms of excitement in life that we, you see everyone experiencing. That's the paradox that we're talking about, is that we think boredom is cured by excitement. And right. it's not. It's it's your problem. Since, exper- yeah. Yeah. It's your, it's your deficiency that you're bored. And you're spinning your wheels trying to fix it by entertaining yourself or yeah or whatever you, you've got to go down before you can go up you know you've got to sink in that boredom and let it hurt until you're like whoa look at the world man i forgot that that was there yeah and it, then somehow i'm thinking of this uh kyle was telling me he was just on his retreat well to bleep his name but uh, <laughs> <coughs> he had this pretty powerful retreat it sounded it sounded like but it was this um like just this total experience of like god the father's love for him individually crap i can't remember the specific story he told 
with it, though, or the line he said. But pretty much he said, like, he very much heard the father say, is like, I want to love you in the way you like to be loved. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it was just super powerful to me to to think about that, like, in God's goodness, you know, like, seeing with those eyes, it's like everything changes at that point. I wish I could I wish I could think of the specific story I had in my mind when I started saying that cuz probably isn't going to sound that good now. It sounded like it would have been the keeper though. Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> it sounded like it would have <laughs> been. As it is though, I think it's strike from the record. Yeah. <laughs> that will be edited. <laughs> yeah, cut it out. <laughs> well, you got to get over to the villa. I got to go. You got to get there at 5? Yep. Yeah, I think the I think the microphones I think it went well. I think it's pretty chill. I'm Sh- digging it. Should we invite the listeners to email us how they like the sound the sound quality? I think we should. Or invite tweet them or tweet. To tweet at us and or tumble email at us. us. Just tumble toward us. Tumble forward towards us. <laughs> or review us on iTunes. Please do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we still suck at six? We have a seventh, but Really? Is it you again? <laughs> I think you may have just done it from a different computer. Did you just make another account? And <laughs> Wait, we got a seventh one? But it was just a rating, not a review. So it was a five-star rating. Oh, well, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. So we're we're totally, our average is five. Yeah. Nothing below a five. Nope. And now that the sound is acceptable, I can only imagine that we're going to get <laughs> six and sevens from now on out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Thank you to all of our benefactors who donated all the money to get these. What Special this? thanks. This is this is like $50,000 worth of equipment, right, huh? That's right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It looks pretty high. There's a lot of knobs. I'm seeing at least 50. At least 50 knobs. You can twist yeah. and turn. And Is it $1,000 a knob or was it just like $50,000 <laughs> for the thing? Oh, man. What a sunk cost that is because we haven't used a single knob. Well, we did use We'd, a single knob. We used three and some sliding things. <laughs> All right, I got to piece We're helpless. Yeah, we are. Are you ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball.